If you are able, stand with me one more time as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Galatians chapter number 5. The book of Galatians chapter number 5. We're going to read verses 22 and 23. Galatians chapter number 5. Begin reading with verse number 22. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Father, I thank you one more time for your infallible, your life-altering, life-changing word. Once again today, I pray the anointing of the Holy Spirit will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. And God, give us ears to hear your word, but may we not just hear your word, but God, may we, may we put in practice the word that we receive today. All of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, today we are going to pick up our series on the core where we left it a few weeks ago. This series includes our core values as well as our core beliefs. Now, before we left this series, we were talking about what we believe about the Holy Spirit. There are four things about the Holy Spirit that we will talk about. We, we've already talked about the first two, so let me remind you of what they are. First of all, we said that He is a person. The Holy Spirit, He is a person. Second thing we said and talked about, that is He passes out gifts. And number three, and what we're going to be talking about for the next three Sundays is he produces fruit. See, if you are genuinely saved, if you have been born again, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. And if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and if you yield your will to his will, then the fruit or the offspring or the results will be the nine fruits listed in our text being manifested in and through our life. Here's what we need to understand this morning, and that is the true mark of spiritual maturity is fruit, not gifts. Now, I want you to get that this morning. Hear me clearly. Hear me clearly. The true mark of spiritual maturity is fruit, not gifts. See, see, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are just that. They are gifts, gifts that are given, gifts based not on how good we are or how spiritual we are or what we have earned, but gifts based totally on the generosity and the grace of God, gifts simply given to us. Now, fruit, on the other hand, is proof of who we are connected to. Did you hear me this morning? Fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, is proof of who we are connected to. For example, for example, the proof that an apple tree is truly an apple tree is what? Apples. It bears apples, right? The proof that a, that a peach tree is truly a peach tree is what? It bears peaches. So, so, so the proof that the Holy Spirit lives within us is what? The fruit of the Spirit flowing through our life. 
You know, some people are wowed by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm wowed by the fruit of the Spirit. I said, I'm wowed by the fruit of the Spirit. See, see, the truth of the matter is there are some people I wish didn't possess their spiritual gifts. Pastor, did you actually say that? Yes, I actually said it. I'll say it again. There are some people I wish didn't possess their spiritual gifts. Why? Because they manifest no fruit. And gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit without the fruit of the Holy Spirit can cause more harm than good. The true mark of spiritual maturity is fruit, not gifts. Now, are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, are they important? Absolutely, absolutely. But the fruit of the Spirit is absolutely necessary if the kingdom of God is going to advance. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 20, Jesus said, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, Jesus said, so can you identify people by their actions or by the fruit that comes out of their life. The fruit or actions of people's lives reveal if they are of the kingdom of Christ or of the kingdom of Satan. Those who are a part of Christ's kingdom will produce the nine fruits of the Spirit, which are love and joy and peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, now the degree to which these fruits flow through our lives is determined by the degree to which we yield to the Spirit or to the flesh. But everyone who is genuinely saved, everyone who is genuinely born again should have these nine fruits growing in and out of them to some degree. And to those of us who claim to be Spirit-filled, to an even greater degree. All right, let's take, a, let's take a quick look at the first three. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to take a look at the first three. We'll take a look at three more next Sunday, and then the following Sunday, the last three. The first one is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. A true Christian will possess a loving spirit. I'm going to say that again because I didn't get much of a response. A true Christian will possess a loving spirit. They will not be mean-spirited. Let me point out two things about love as a fruit or an offspring of the Holy Spirit. First of all, let me suggest that it's supernatural in nature. Supernatural in nature. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 says God has given us the Holy Spirit too. To what, Paul? To what? Well, his answer, what he says, is much different than what you might think. This morning, Romans 5 and 5, Paul says, God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Why is the Holy Spirit given to us? To fill our hearts with the love of Jesus Christ. See, the Holy Spirit has been given to us not just so that we can speak in tongues, not just so that we can exercise supernatural gifts, but also, say also, but also so that we can love like Jesus loves. And the only way that we're going to be able to love like Jesus loves is if the love of Jesus flows in and out of our life. We can never love like Jesus loved by ourselves and on our own. Human love will never produce the kind of love that Jesus had. The only way that we can have the love that Jesus had is if we possess the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, which is, which is the fruit of Jesus living out through our life. How does Jesus love? Well, he loves unconditionally. 
There's absolutely no conditions to be met, to be loved by Jesus Christ. He loves everybody. His love is, is unconditional. His love is unbiased. His love is unfailing. His love is unselfish. Now, we need to understand the word for love here in our text is translated from the Greek word agape. Agape, which means that God kind and God quality of love. We're not talking about human love today. We're not talking about just the natural love. We're talking about agape love. We're talking about that God kind and God quality of love. Actually, agape love is God's love being reproduced through us. It's supernatural in nature. But not only is it supernatural in nature, it's sacrificial in practice. Sacrificial in practice. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 2, Paul writes, and he says, live a life filled with love. What is the will of God for your life? The will of God for your life is to live a life filled with love. A life that is filled with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. A, lo- a life where the love of Jesus just oozes out of your life. Ephesians 5 and 20, live a life filled with love. Follow the example of Christ. The example of who? Follow the example of Christ. He loved us and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So agape love is an unselfish love. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is known as the love chapter. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses, or 13, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 says, love is patient. And love is kind. And love is not jealous, it's not boastful, it's not proud, it's not rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. Don't look at anybody. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice when injustice prevails, but rejoices when truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. I don't know about you, but listen, I don't see a whole lot of that kind of love. I don't see a whole lot of that kind of love. The truth of the matter is love at this level requires agape love or that God kind and God quality of love. Love as a fruit or an offspring or a result of the Holy Spirit living in and through us. See, only, only through walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh can we produce love as it is spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. There's just no way that you can love like 1 Corinthians 13 says that we are to love on our own. There's no way we can do that. It is not humanly possible. It is only, only as the Holy Spirit lives and resides upon the inside of us and only as we give way to the Holy Spirit and only as we yield to the Holy Spirit instead of yielding to the flesh, only then can we love with this kind of love. Galatians 5 and 16 says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then, say then, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. 
So I challenge you this morning to pray every single day, Holy Spirit, flow Christ's love through me today. Holy Spirit, there will be times today when I will not have, I will not be able to love like Jesus loved on my own. There will be times when my love will be tested today. So, so Holy Spirit, I need you to love through me. I need the fruit of love, the fruit of the Spirit of love to flow through me. If I'm going to be able to pass the test today, if I'm going to be able to love like Jesus loved, the only way that's going to happen is if the Holy Spirit Spirit loves the love of Jesus through me. Pray every single day, Holy Spirit, flow Christ's love through me today. Holy Spirit, oh, work through me so that everything I say and everything that I do will be done with agape love. Help me love like Jesus loves in all of my actions as well as my reactions. How many would agree that agape love is a very tasty fruit? But not only is love a fruit or an offspring or a byproduct of the Holy Spirit, so is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love and it is joy. See, see, people who claim to be Spirit-filled Christians should also be joy-filled Christians. If you claim to be Spirit-filled, then you also should be joy-filled. See, I just don't understand Christians who are habitually negative and critical and mean-spirited. Christians who are always antagonistic. Christians who are always in some kind of controversy. I don't understand mean-spirited Christians. And I certainly do not understand mean-spirited people who claim to be filled with the Holy Spirit, who claim to be Spirit-filled. I'm telling you that if you are full of the Holy Spirit, amen, what will ooze out of you will be the joy of the Lord. Now hear me clearly. I'm not saying we should be over the top with our emotions. And we need to understand we're talking about joy right now as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about, you know, just natural joy or human joy that's based on our circumstances. We're not talking about joy that's just, a, just, just our emotions, you know, uh, when everything's going well with us. I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying we should be over the top with our emotions. The truth of the matter is, and yes, I'm going to say this as well, some people actually need to dial it back a notch or two. See, there's some people that I would like to pull them back a little bit, and there's other people I'd like to put dynamite under. Amen? If I could just get the happy medium in there somewhere. See, we need to understand joy as a fruit of the Holy Spirit is much more than an emotion. Joy is an attitude. Joy as a fruit of the Spirit is an attitude. It's a decision. It's a commitment. And get this this morning, it's roots grow out of our faith. Joy as a fruit of the Spirit, its roots grow out of our faith. And not just a faith that says God is going to change my circumstances. No, no, a faith that says no matter what my circumstances are, God is still God. He will get me out or he will get me through. He will change my circumstances or he will use my circumstances to change me. Either way, I will love him and I will serve him and I will trust him. Let me say two things here about joy. Joy as a fruit of the Spirit. It requires proper focus. It requires proper focus. Nehemiah 8 and 10 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. 
When our circumstances are totally void of anything positive, we must, we must focus on the Savior and not on the situation. 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6, the Bible says David was in great danger. There was even talk of stoning him. But it says David found strength in the Lord his God. Focus on the Savior, not on the situation. Supernatural joy is available, friend, in the most dire circumstance. But it requires focusing on the Savior and not on the situation. When Goliath, the giant from Gath, ridiculed the God of Israel, Saul and his best fighting men focused on the size of the giant. David, on the other hand, focused on the size of his God. I don't know this morning, perhaps, maybe the reason why you have no joy today is because you are focusing on your situation instead of focusing on your Savior. I'm telling you, you will not have joy this morning if you are focused on the situation. The only way you can have joy this morning is if you look to the Savior, not the circumstances. The only way you'll have joy this morning is if you focus on the, situa- or if you focus on the Savior and not the situation. Now, we need to understand that when we focus on our Savior instead of our situation, it doesn't always automatically change our situation, but it changes us so that we are able to face our situation correctly. Second thing I want to say about joy is this, and that that is it rests on a solid foundation. It rests on a solid foundation. Foundation, Psalms 61, verse 1 through 3, the psalmist writes, and he wrote it, and he says, Oh, God, listen to my cry. I cry to you for help, he says. My heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the towering rock of safety. You are my safe refuge, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. Oh, joy as a fruit or an offspring of the Holy Spirit rests on a solid foundation, and that foundation is Christ. Now, here's what we know, and that is storms test the strength of every foundation. See, a building is only as strong as the foundation it's built upon. Our joy is only as strong as the foundation it is built upon. If our joy is built upon our circumstances... Our joy will crumble when our circumstances change. The same is true with our emotions. But if our joy is built upon Christ, if the Holy Spirit truly lives in and through us, our joy will remain strong regardless of the situation, regardless of our circumstances. Once again, let me remind you, I'm not talking about human joy. I'm not talking about joy as merely an emotion. I'm not talking about surface joy that is dependent upon the pleasant things that are happening in our life. I'm talking about supernatural joy. I'm talking about joy that comes to us through a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about joy that is a fruit that is in us and flows through us because of who we are connected to. All right, let's take a quick look at the third fruit or offspring of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, and it's peace. Peace. Now let's begin by talking about what it's not. Peace is not the absence of conflict and struggle. 
fact of the matter is, you can be at peace even when you are at war. Peace is not the absence of conflict or struggle. Fact of the matter, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Jesus said, mark it down. In this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. You will have difficulty. See, because we live in a fallen and a messed up world, we're going to have more than our share of pain, more than our share of problems, more than our share of pressure. Whether we love Jesus or don't love Jesus, whether we serve God or don't serve God, because we live in a fallen and a messed up world, we're going to have our share of difficulty in this life. It's just the way it is. See, see, the fact of the matter is you won't always get everything you want. I'm sorry somebody told you you can have anything you want. No, you can't. No, you can't. You won't always get everything you want, and, and things won't always go your way. And people won't always like you. And people won't always sing your praises. People won't always march in your parade. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's not the absence of struggle. Well, then what is it, Pastor? Well, this is what it is. Peace is the presence of faith and hope and confidence in the midst of our conflict and struggles. I'm going to say that again. Peace is the presence of faith and hope and confidence in the midst of our conflict and struggle. Peace says, I may lack provision right at the moment, but Jesus is my provider. Peace says, I might be in a crisis right now, but Christ is greater than my crisis. Peace is the presence of faith and hope and confidence even when I'm going through what I'm going through. Now, let me suggest two things right here this morning. First of all, worry robs us of our peace. Worry robs us of our peace. Proverbs 12 and 25 says, worry weighs a person down. See, there's not one single positive result that comes from worry. Nothing good is going to happen because you worry. Nothing positive is going to come out of your time of worry. There's not one single positive result that comes from worry. There are, on the other hand, several negative results. Let me just mention one of many. And that is an absence of peace makes a poor witness. An absence of peace makes a poor witness. See, people are watching our lives. People are watching our lives, and especially, especially when we are going through difficulty, especially when we are going through heartache, especially, especially when we are going through a, a rough patch in our life. People are watching our lives. See, see, people aren't, they're not impressed with our faith walk when everything is prospering in our life. When the birds are singing and the sun is shining and, oh, man, everything is going well in our life. People aren't impressed with our faith walk when everything is great in our life. But I will tell you, on the other hand, they are impressed when the bottom falls out from under us. And yet we remain positive, we remain upbeat, and we remain secure in our faith. That speaks to people. See, see yo-yo Christians who are up one day and down the next. In one day and out the next, 
spouting out faith formulas one week and poor-mouthing the next. These kinds of people have no positive influence on anybody. The fact of the matter is they're actually a liability to the kingdom and not an asset. On the other hand, those who walk out their faith in the bad times as well as the good times, these are the people that have the greatest impact on the kingdom. Worry robs us of our peace. On the other hand, worship regulates our peace. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then, say then. Then you will experience God's peace, a peace that exceeds everything you can understand. Goes on to say, His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Here's what I know that is, praise produces the presence of the Lord. Praise produces. The presence of the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 22 and 3, it says that God dwells or he takes up residence in the praises of his people. You might say, you know, pastor, it seems like God's a million miles away. Well, you just told off on yourself. You just told me you haven't been praising him lately. Because my Bible says that when I praise him, he comes near me. When I praise him, he comes nigh me. My Bible says that God indwells, that God takes up residence, that God walks with people who praise him. If you need God to be by your side today, if you need the Lord to be near you today, amen, I would encourage you just to get into a life of praise, begin to worship him and praise him. And as you begin to worship and praise him, that creates an atmosphere that God wants to be in. And God comes down and God walks with you and he talks with you and he fellowships with you. Amen. And that is... an invitation to the Lord. Praise is an invitation to the Lord. Praise produces the presence of the Lord and then the presence of the Lord produces peace. Well, pastor, I don't have any peace. You're talking about peace. I don't have any peace. You're telling off on yourself. If you don't have peace today, then that tells me that you haven't been praising him. Because if you will praise him, he will come to you. If you will praise him, he'll take up residence on the inside of you. If you will praise him, he will come near you. He will come nigh you. And if Jesus is walking with you, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, no matter what you're facing, you can have a peace that passes all understanding. It guards your heart and it guard your mind. Why? Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The Bible says in Isaiah 61 and 3, put on, put on, put on the garment of praise to cover up the spirit of despair. Well, you know, I just don't feel like praising. But didn't say you're supposed to feel like praising. Praise till you feel like it. Amen. I don't always feel like preaching, but before I'm done, I'm feeling it. But especially the second time around, when I walk up here, I'm not exactly feeling it yet. I have to put it on. Amen. Put on. Put on the garment of praise to cover up. The spirit of despair. You don't need musicians. You don't need singers. Amen. You don't need a 
spiritual cheerleader. Amen. Just start loving on Jesus. Just start praising him. Amen. Just telling him how great he is, how wonderful he is, how marvelous he is. Amen. Listen, listen, even these praise songs, they're just an aid. They're just to help you. Listen, the Lord wants you to get beyond the praise song because the praise song is somebody else's words. And yes, it's all all right to sing somebody else's words and get us into his presence. But that's just to get us into his presence. And then once we get into his presence, then we need to forsake those songs and begin to sing a song of our own. And then forsake somebody else's words. Our words may not be as eloquent. They may not be as profound. But they're our words. And when we begin to tell the Lord how much we love him, from our heart and we begin to love on Jesus ourselves. amen, it becomes out of us automatically as a part of us, amen, that gets us into a whole new realm of praises, into a whole new realm of the presence of Almighty God. So I asked you this question this morning, which will you choose? Will you choose worry, which robs you of your peace? Or will you choose to worship, which regulates your peace? I ask you this morning, what do you do more of when you're in the midst of your struggle? Do you do more of worry or do you do more of worship? Do you do more of wringing your hands or raising your hands? Amen. Do you do more singing the blues or singing the praises of God? What are you going to do today? Are you going to worry or are you going to worship? Amen. Where are you going to walk this week? Are you going to walk in worry or are you going to walk in worship? Amen. This morning, are you going to let the things of this world and the affairs of this world and the news and all the bad news get you down? Amen. Are you going to walk in the good news? And the good news is that Jesus is still alive. And the good news is he's still on his throne. And the good news is, amen, greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. I've got some good news for you this morning. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to walk in the flesh, but I'm going to walk in the spirit. Because when I walk in the spirit, I have love. When I walk in the spirit, I have joy. When I walk in the spirit, I have have all of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I don't want the fruit of the world. I want the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, if that's you as well, stand to your feet this morning and begin to love on Jesus as the worship team comes or whoever's coming. Come on, lift those hands up this morning, begin to worship and begin to praise the Lord this morning. Come on, church. Our takeaway for the day is this, only those who consistently walk in the Spirit will produce the fruit of the Spirit. The only way you're going to be able to produce the fruit of the Spirit is if you walk in the Spirit. Second part of our takeaway is this, and that is fruit can be cultivated. Fruit can be cultivated. You cultivate the fruit of the Spirit by getting into His presence and by getting with people who produce His fruit. Cultivate the fruit of the Spirit by getting into His presence. You get into His presence by reading His Word and by praising and by prayer. And then also by getting with people who produce His fruit. Some of you are hanging around with people that have a mean spirit. They have a mean, they're vicious. They're mean. That's not of God. It's not of God. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit is not criticism. It's it's not controversy. It's not setting everybody straight. It's love. It's joy. It's peace. Amen. Align yourself with people that produce the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. 
God, I just pray that you'll take this word this morning. God, I pray your word will do what needs to be done in this place today, in our hearts and in our lives.